by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Let your wise rise up, see the signs of the times, if it's time, rise up, rise up. When death and hell dwell among all God's people, when those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil, when the feast that feeds you starves our father's children, when snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing, rise up, when famine claims millions, when justice... Peace, and welcome to New Abolitionist Radio a program that seeks to educate, inform, and agitate on the issue of 21st century slavery, hosted by social activist and spoken word poet Max Parthas with new abolitionists and actionists, Johanna Nelaya and Black Talk Media Project founder Scotty Reed. On this program, we discuss recent news on legalized 21st century slavery and human trafficking, along with projects and people who help combat it. Today is July 13, 2016. We'll go through this week's collection of stories, articles, and events with an abolitionist perspective. I'm not going to give you a long description of what's to come tonight. If you are tuned in here now, you already know we are at one of the most precarious and perilous times in American history. Let's just get into it. If you'd like to share a comment or a question, call in and join us at one six four one. 715-3660. The access code is 549-032-POUND. If you're already on the conference line, just press star 6 and 1 to queue up from there. Our rider of the 21st Century Underground Railroad is Devontae Sanfords, who spent more than eight years in prison for a crime he didn't commit, who was arrested at 14 years of age and sent to prison. Our abolitionist in profile is the unknown and anonymous abolitionist as represented in an 1834 speech given by an anonymous female at the Female Minervian Association on the Moral and Social Improvement of Freed Slaves, encouraging them to assist those who are still enslaved, published in the Liberator and preserved in the Black Abolitionist Archives. You can expect all of that and so much more tonight on New Abolitionist Radio. Peace, Brother Scotty. Uh, is Johanna with us as well this week? Hey, peace to you, Max. Uh, I don't see him uh, on the line as of yet. I'm sure he'll join as soon as he uh, gets in. No doubt, man, no doubt. Um, today is a new day for me. <laughs> Just a new day. You know, I keep turning these pages as I progress, like you do, I'm sure. And this is a new one for me, man. I'm taking off the kids' gloves. I'm not playing anymore. You know what I mean? I'm getting worse. <laughs> I'm going to get worse. Trust. Well, certainly circumstances out there. Well, I don't know. I saw a meme today that said things are not getting worse. they just getting uncovered. I mean, me. I'm going to be worse. If they thought I was a pain in the behind before, oh, my God, wait till you see how what's about to come at you now. I hear you, uh, man. As you know, as we speak right now, my wife and my daughter are in the hospital. She's beginning inpatient chemotherapy for the next nine months. And, uh, you know, that's just on top of everything else that our family's been enduring these past few years. So, you know, I'm feeling my job. 
and I'm about to assert my uh, testimony as a witness. Sorry to hear to hear that, and we wish her a full recovery. Thank you, thank you. There's a lot of people praying for. I think if it weren't for the prayer circles that have been going on around us for the past few years, uh, we would be a lot worse off as a family. Well, these are the things we go through, just, you know, plain old life in, in addition to all of this other stuff. But I'm going to keep fighting through all of that. You know, my daughter wants me to keep fighting. My wife wants me. I'm going to keep fighting. We're going to handle this, and we're going to handle that, too. Uh, it's time, brother. We ain't going to get second chances. I can't see it. This stuff goes on every 50 years like clockwork, you know. Uh, 1865, 1915, 1965, 2015. We just wake up for a minute, realize we've been getting beat down, do a little bit of fighting, and then get some concessions and uh, some rhetoric and some legalese that means nothing and does nothing, and we go right back to sleep. We can't go back to sleep this time, not for our children's sake. The numbers keep growing. We are in a period where there are more black men in cages than there were at the height of legalized slavery in 1850. What do you think the next stage is going to be like that? This is what we're giving to our children. You're going to get it bigger. That's why, Max, I don't understand some of the criticism that's directed at these young people out there in the streets. Okay, yeah, okay. Black Lives Matter. I'm talking about the actual 501c3. I haven't dug into their background. I don't know who's funding them or if they're e- even re- uh, receiving funding. Um, I know Alex Jones is a racist white supremacy white supremacist and who frequently demonizes Black Lives Matter movement and and call them terrorists and and just all these things that are not true, uh, trying to get uh, racists to attack these young people out there in the street. But let's make one thing clear. The vast majority of the people in the streets don't belong to any organization. My daughters have participated in these rallies, these demonstrations, these protests, whatever you want to call them they do not belong to any organization but it just dawns on me that we're putting off on young people for all intents and purposes who are children these are our children and I'm hearing unfair criticism levied at them in terms of well what solutions do they got to the problem that they out there in the street talking about which is police terrorism and and so if we, if my generation, people my age in their 50s and, and around there didn't solve the problem, if my parents didn't solve the problem, if my grandparents didn't solve the problem, then how fair is it to then criticize these young people because they don't have a solution to right. the problem? That's, it's just, it's just, it boggles my mind, man. Everybody agrees we need new thinking. We need to address, uh, find new ways to handle these old problems, and that's what we present here week after week. This new idea to stop looking at this whole circumstance as mistakes made over time, errors in judgment, or legislation that just didn't work out the way it was intended to. This is legalized slavery sanctioned by the U.S. Constitution's 13th Amendment, exploited by private industry in conjunction with our governments and uh, participated in throughout America in almost all walks of life, particularly by those who are involved with the justice system. 
you know, we've broken every constitution we've got, and then people act like there ain't nothing going on. And until we can change our mind about that, about what it is we're dealing with, we're just going to keep chasing our tails. It's, it's insanity. We're doing the same thing over and over again every 50 years, expecting new results. And our children are the ones who recognize this. They know that when you tell them one out of three of them are going to prison, it's not a warning, it's a threat. They're right. taking it like that. You're telling them they're not going to make it. Or, or, one, tell the children that? or one every 28 hours. Right. These are not warnings. They can't do anything individually to change all of that, and they know it. So that's not a warning. That's a threat. Well, I think it's insane, even though I don't want to discourage anyone's attempt at countering this system. But, you know, it, it does speak to insanity uh, looking to a government, all right, that since its inception was built on exploiting, brutalizing, murdering, raping, pillaging, whatever, you know, negative thing you can think of that has been directed towards black people. And all of a sudden, we think that this this government uh, is going to change and what, what have you. Okay, uh, I I don't see I I just don't really see that happening, man. And so you know I always try to be hopeful for the future, but I I just don't see in, in my lifetime USA Inc. reversing course. I I just don't see it. I see it actually just increasing the enslavement and what have you. And so you know these young people, man. They are out there expressing the frustration that we all should be feeling. You know, you you tell people to vote. You tell people to participate in, you know, democracy and what have you. But what ha- what has our participation in this democracy gotten us? It's, it's gotten us nothing. It's gotten us nowhere, in my opinion. And so, again, to direct anger or frustration at Black Lives Matter because they don't have the magic bullet, so to speak, or and, and then they do have some solutions, but nobody wants to hear about it because they're too busy, you know, blaming them for what's going on. And it, it's just retarded, in, in my opinion, man. I'm I'm just tired of these young people being dogged out, man. When I know for a fact, my generation, my generation, man, we wasn't doing nothing but up in the club trying to have some fun, and and you know. We weren't, I can't really say my generation was engaged in counter-racism like this generation. Yeah, I wish I'd known then what I know now. Because I, you know, like like many, I believe, always believe that we can do more, that I can do more personally, and I just wish I'd have known a lot longer. A lot longer. I mean, I would have been fighting a lot longer. Because it's these warriors right now. I mean, it's so simple to understand what's happening. And uh, like this week, we're dealing with so many stories nationally that we'll never be able to get them all across. Just the people who have been killed on video unjustly goes beyond anything we can provide for you on this two-hour program. Um, Uh, So I have to try to bring it down to this more of a condensed version and look at the larger picture here so we can keep our focus. So I can keep my focus. Let me... um, I'm sorry, let me check the phone line. Um, I don't know if this is a caller or if this is Johanan, but area code 951, you're on New Abolitionist Radio. Go ahead with your question and comment. Area code 951. Hey, Brother Scotty, Brother Max, how y'all doing? This is Dave. 
I just wanted to, to, to call in. What's going on, Brother Matt? And, you know, first thing I want to say, Brother, um, our energy and our spirit and our, our prayers and our overall request from our ancestral truths are with you and your wife, and I would definitely say uh, that a holistic approach to um, her temporary condition is something that I would hope that you all would be engaged in, and I know that you are have, and I, I would say uh, one of the things that has have, had remarkable um, effects on many forms of cancer is a Brazilian um, plant, and it's a bark. It's actually the bark of a tree out of Brazil, and it's known as uh, Pau de Arco, and that's P-A-U-D. A R C O, and you can get it in the uh, powder form and take it in capsules, or you can get it concentrated uh, in the in drops. That that has had some very very uh, great um, benefits for for different cancer uh, people, and, and have had some very remarkable. Um, turnarounds for people in, in deep stages of cancer itself. So um, I always like to say that for every disease that man's created, God has a, a, a herb to cure it. And we were talking about that on Tando just as we ended the show. And I just wanted to relay that to you, brother, um, and let you know that we are with you and your family because we are all in the same family. Indeed, and, brother. Thank you for that. Uh, and I appreciate brother, what Tando Show does in situations like this. You provide this type of information, and I've been giving it to my daughter, who is now 26. Uh, so uh, she's aware of these things and is taking it all into consideration. Yes, yes. And if there's anything um, that that we can do, uh, please don't, you know, don't hesitate to reach out to us because uh, we are in this together. And I love the the, the show format, um, and, and I love what you guys are are, are talking about about to today because I think it's very, very important. There's, you know, something called Vox Populi. And what it means is is what our young people are going through right now. And this is the overall system that of collective prudence that we should have globally, where the people's opinion is not subjected to the institution's will. And the young people today are are expressing Vox Populi. And I think that we ought to encourage them and give them in, the instructions and, and actually give them some of the fundamentals of what we've experienced from the past to give them some, some meaningful instructions in certain things because it's their energy that the system could never defeat. You know, armies were built to beat armies. Armies can never, ever defeat the people. But in order to do that, you have to divide the people. Now the armies and the militaries and the, and the quasi-military organizations are effective. So I would just say to you, brothers, thank you. Continue. And we need to encourage our young people. And there needs to be a reconciliation between our elders and our young because that's where the answer to everything is by our own collective free will. 
because what we will, we shall accomplish. We will accomplish. You know, Dave. Much love, much respect to you, thank, brother. Thank you, Dave. Um, and, and another thing I'll say is one of the smears I've been hearing about these young people is, oh, they don't, they don't respect their elders and, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, just using the basic stereotypes we've been hearing all our lives to apply to these young people. But the truth is, is that they are taking instruction. Okay, uh, Max Parthis, Max, don't you mentor a member of the Black Lives Matter movement in your area? A number of them, yes. Uh, I've been mentoring them before they were Black Lives Matter. And uh, now they're out right now at the state capitol in South Carolina on behalf of Sandra Bland, trying to get people to remember that circumstance as well as others. And maybe calling in tonight from on the scene. And and so all all I'm saying is is that don't believe everything you hearing in their media about Black Lives Matter. If you study history, you study COINTELPRO, you know the same things that they're saying in the media today about these young people today. They were saying about those young people that was out there in the streets in, in the 60s and whatnot. And, 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 and yes. There's a perfect thing that it would follow up what you're saying. Go ahead and finish with saying it, but after you're yes. done, let me know. But all I'm saying is, is that there is a deliberate tactic and always has been to divide black people. And I, I don't believe that 100% unity is ever going to be possible, but if we reach critical mass where a majority of the people get on one uh, of one single mind uh, to overcome um, these obstacles that we uh, uh, face, not overcome them, but eliminate them is what we should be doing, not overcoming, but eliminating these obstacles. So don't believe everything you we're hearing from the mainstream media because they're lying on our children. They're lying. And, and, and I'm just, you know, I, I'm just couldn't be prouder of them. Same here, brother. And I've said as much on many occasions to them. I'm proud of you. Um, uh, not telling anybody not to do anything. You will know well what's going on, and you can come up with new ideas, find new ways to change things, um, learn from our mistakes. What I want to share that will follow up what you were saying as well is, uh, first of all, I want to let people know that I'm an abolitionist, uh, not because I'm just passionate about that particular issue, but because I spent my life looking for an answer to the problems. And I believe that this is the root cause of all of our woes in America, and it's the answer to our problems to end it. Everything around it will fall like dominoes once you knock that one down. We have never, in this history of this country, ended slavery. The one time that we almost did brought it to its knees, and it took another 50 years for it to recover in this uh, life of convict leasing. So... I see this as the answer. You want an answer, this is it. But it requires a change of your mind. You have to stop looking I, at this I agree, as a mistake Max. and look at it as slavery. I agree, Max. So, I had let, let me share something that's related to what you just said. I had a caller on Black Talk Radio News, and he said, you know, the main problem is racism, white supremacy. And I said, well, no, not really. The problem is slavery. And because the slave codes are what first introduced laws and what have you. 
But he said, then he said that the racists were white supremacists, you know, to begin with. So it all goes back to white supremacy. So, but I, I, I agreed with him, but I've given it much thought. And you just reminded me, you we cannot stop racism, period. Racism is something that an individual holds in his heart. What what right what the system of racism and white supremacy is, is a whole bunch of those people working together to maintain this system. So we're not able to change, you know, a person's mind about how they feel about us as black or non white people. And nor do I care to change their minds. You know, I don't give a damn about what the racist cracker up the street thinking about me. All I know is he better not come over here thinking that, you know, he's going to uh, take away my free will and impose his will on me. And so what I see as slavery is this is being imposed on us, all right, and it is the root cause. And yes, they passed the slave codes and put the white supremacy uh, uh, into it so that they could then convince other white people to join in, you know, in, in our abuse and whatnot. So I believe that the key is ending slavery. If I'm not being enslaved, I don't give a damn about what else you're doing as long as it don't affect me. You can hey, go to as many clan damn meetings as you want to. long as you don't come to my property trying to impose your will upon me, uh, uh, then I ain't got a problem with you. I don't give a damn. Have all the clan meetings you want to. But just know that if you try to harm me or my family, you will be met with lethal force. That's right. That's bottom line, Scotty. It's what gives white supremacy the supremacy part because they're able to enslave you. And they've been doing it over and over and over again for generations. There's nobody that will dispute that America was built on slavery founded on slavery, that its great institutions are institutionally racist and were involved in slavery from its economic to its agricultural to uh, its commerce. Everything was built around slavery. The White House was built by black men. I mean, nobody would deny that. And here we are in America today still doing the same thing on a larger scale. And it's not just America. This has gone global. But let me let me back up a second here and read some stuff that came to a Black Lives Matter activist as mail. It was some of the hate mail that he received. One said, a letter said, Sir, Los Angeles, Des Moines, Omaha, Chicago, and Cleveland are not in Mississippi nor in the deep, deep South. What about the violence by blacks in these cities? Why is this black, uh, what is this Black Lives Matter business? If it is a threat to whites, why should whites not retaliate? Why should whites hire blacks, listen to them on TV, radio, amusement shows, or employ them in any capacity? Uh, black Lives Matter, Have how have you been in this whitey business and get whitey? Hope you stove-lived niggers do not think you are frightening anyone with get whitey, HS. Again, it's like a rant of some crazy white guy. Uh, the other one says, hang your head in shame. This was sent to one of the leaders of the movement. You are responsible for all of these riots and havoc in this country today. Another one says, the hatred between the race is now at an all-time peak and will get worse as the niggas continue to beat, rape, and murder white women and girls. A former friend of the black people, now a nigger hater. And then the last one I'll give you, it says, 
You don't point out any faults at all of your own people, just the whites. Now, this was all hate mail that was sent to a leader in the black community, and that leader's name was Martin Luther King Jr. Doesn't it sound like the same thing they're saying today, right yes. now? Yes, exactly. Yes, verbatim. If I hadn't have said it was Martin Luther King, you would think it was somebody else right now getting this man. Actually you thought, know it would be happening. It I, is I actually Not thought you, you was going to name uh, <laughs> uh, contemporary leaders. So, but um, Max, we got another call. Um, area code two five three. Thank you for calling New Abolitionist Radio. Go ahead with your question or comment. Hello, this is um, the judge calling in for Max Parthas and Scotty. Greetings. Uh, and welcome back, brother. Um, I was just talking to Joseph earlier yesterday about some plans that he has to blow a lot of lids off of things. He's uh, working on the legal aspect. Scotty, if you remember, we talked about it a few months ago, where he found that in King County, for instance, they uh, the I guess it's the prosecutors, police, none of them have any kind of bonds whatsoever, which is, from what I understand, like insurance. So what they've been doing in Kings County with arresting and imprisoning people has been completely illegal from the very beginning. As a matter of fact, this brother is putting a lawsuit out right now requesting or demanding that all prisoners in King County be put into his, uh, uh, to, given to him for, under his protection. So, his so what I heard was they're, pract- they're not even practicing legalized slavery. Their slavery exactly. is illegal. That's well, what I heard. Let uh, Joseph tell you about Joseph. Well, let me tell you how it began. I hope you have enough time to hear me. Not many people understand who I am and what I do. Some of my friends know me, but they still don't know what I do because I stay home all the time. I'm not out. But what I am is the private U.S. Attorney General, and what I do is I fight for the people who can't fight for themselves. And I'm where the government can't be to raise a claim for the people in the interest of the public or the people. Like if you have a job and the job is all messed up and they keep firing black people or white people, doesn't matter. I'm not into the color thing because we have to stay off of that in order to be focused. But if you have a system that always is putting you down and taking you, you know, this is going to go like that. But anyway, I'm sorry, just I'm kind of hyped. God, excuse my voice and everything. But I'm, I'm really interested in telling people about my job is to tell everybody about the government being involved in human trafficking and deliver this to Congress. I'm like, if I got to deliver this to Congress and Congress is stealing people, well, who do I bring it to? And which I know is the people. So I'm bringing it, bringing it to the people through Mr. Parthas and Scotty Reed. And so if you hear me, my voice is shaking. I didn't expect the call to be so quick either. <laughs> so I love the public and the people to tell them about the uh, King County Courthouse is involved in human trafficking and none of, the ju- none of the judges have official bonds to do business. They're impersonating judicial officers. So what I need is help to arrest all of these um, pretenders. They're stealing our people and have no jurisdiction all of the court orders are void. So if y'all hear me out there in Washington State, Superior Court, all of the judges are void. Excuse me, give me, give me a chance to unhyperventilate because I'm happy to be on 
fine. <laughs> Y'all guys take over for me. I think you can go from there. Uh, yeah, from what I understand, he found out that these judges, as you said, uh, don't have bonds, and they are required to have bonds to do uh, what they're doing day in and day right. out. And for them not to have that is not only unconstitutional, but it's illegal uh, as well. I, I have a so, question. Uh, I have a question. Have you pointed this out to any of the local uh, legal organizations, perhaps the ACLU? Uh, have you tried reaching out to the, uh, what is it, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund? Or, or have you attempted to reach out to any kind of legal organization to help? No, I, I don't reach out to them. They're part of the problem because if I know what I'm talking about, they should know too because they have the legalese and expertise because they're oh, the ones. I, I, I do not uh, disagree. Uh, the lawyers. I do Hello? not disagree with you. I'm just asking the question to try to gather some more okay. information. Okay. Sorry. I'll be on point and answer yes or no if you need it that way. But what I'm saying to you is that I pretty much stay focused on my own endeavors because every time I go to the lawyers here, they run from me. They won't touch this case. They can't touch it because they're the ones that are stealing the people and, and making the police kill us because they write the policies in Congress to enforce all of these slave laws that y'all always speaking about. And since they're probably all not bonded, the whole government's not bonded because if they kill us and shoot us every time they have to do something or protect that issue, the bonding comp companies that have to insure the government or these police officers, they have to pay the claims. So they, they've been killing us so long, they probably all don't have bonds. We have to take their bonds. We all have to come together and tribe up and get these people because they work, we work, they work for us. But they got it twisted because it's the master and servant kind of thing. And they're servants. And they got it like, oh, we got y'all. No, you don't. So if you want to reply, you know, I know y'all have a lot to well, say. Well, we actually do uh, have, um, you know, get to the rest of the program, but I would uh, encourage okay. you to give out uh, any websites, any contact information. People can contact you that uh, can help you. Well, we all need to help each other. That's the whole thing. We need to go right to the courthouse tomorrow and arrest every judge and every prosecutor. The prosecutors aren't bonded. All, all, all lawyers or attorneys work for the Queen of England or the Crown, the Crown rather, and that their oaths are not to the people. Just put white wigs on them and you'll see who they are. Okay? That's simple. They work for the Queen, their oaths to the Queen, not to the American people. Brother so Joseph, they have a conflict. Yes. We appreciate you calling in and giving us further information on this and we'll continue to help share it in any way that we can and try to pull it together. In the meantime, we got to go to a break. And when we Thank come you. back from the break, I want to talk about Representative Ted Douche out of Florida, who is discussing prisoner transportation with Attorney General, General Loretta Lynch. Uh, actually, I want to play the audio so you can hear it and understand what he was just talking about when it comes mm -hmm. to human trafficking. Right there in Congress, discussing it like it ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio. We'll be right back after these messages. No, I'm not a writer. Okay. Black Talk 
Radio since 2008, providing new black media for the masses. Peace and welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. Uh, you can find out more information about what Joseph Bajor was talking about on Let My People Go on Facebook. Go check out some of the links and uh, see where we can get in to fit in. In the meantime, Scotty, uh, I need you to queue up that video, which is on New okay. Abolitionist Radio. I just want to give an intro of it. All right. Uh, Allow me to first uh, clear the... Q&A queue is clear. Clear the queue. Um, and um, I just heard from Johanna. He'll be joining us shortly. And you say go to our Facebook page, New Abolitionist Radio, for the video? Yes. Yes. It's, it's right there. I just want to uh, do a little intro for it before you start it up. So if you can get it put it set in place. I just want our listeners to listen really closely. Okay. Uh, I'm ready. Hearing. This is not just about people being brutally murdered or facing horrors by a private company. This is congressional proof of slavery and human traffic. Trafficking. They're shipping human bodies like merchandise across state borders to fill prison beds in states that they, these people have never even visited, let alone committed crimes in, and this is supposed to be illegal. And the attorney general acts like she doesn't know anything about private prison industry. I mean, they're only among the biggest companies in the world and embedded in everything we do in this justice system, but she don't know anything. Yeah, have all these Once federal you hear, contracts and what yes. have you, but man, come on. Once you hear this, you should demand like we're demanding or like that I'm demanding that this human trafficking system be investigated by the federal government and that Attorney General Loretta Lynch remove herself from office for incompetence and gross negligence at the cost of human lives. Here you go, Scotty. Uh, General Lynch, thank you for being here. Thank you for your thoughtful and patient responses uh, to my colleagues' questions. Um, in the brief time that I have today, I'd like to discuss recent reports of uh, some disturbing and dangerous and inhumane prisoner transport conditions in this country. Just last week, uh, the New York Times, in a, a, a big story that I uh, put together with the Marshall Project, shed light on abuses um, that harm thousands of prisoners into vans by private contractors on a pay-per-mile basis. It's the same way we pay for shipping cargo in this country, and any retailer will tell you Damn. that it pays to ship in bulk. But we're not talking about pallets of laundry detergent. We're talking about human beings. We're talking about American citizens, and no matter their crime, they deserve better than the way that these transport services are treating them. The story that ran in July 6th, New York Times, recounts the horrific death uh, the horrific deaths of, of several individuals, one of them, Stephen Gallick from South Florida. And I'll just quote briefly from the story. In July 2012, Stephen Gallick, the former owner of a home remodeling business, was living in Florida when he was arrested on an out-of-state warrant for failing to pay child support. Mr. Gallick, 46, had come to the end of a long downward spiral, overcoming a painkiller addiction, only to struggle with crippling anxiety. Now he was to be driven more than 1,000 miles to Butler County, Ohio, where his ex-wife and three children lived, to face a judge. Like dozens of states and countless localities, Butler County outsources the long-distance transport of suspects and fugitives. He was loaded into a van run by Prisoner Transportation Services of America, the nation's largest for-profit extradition company. Crammed around him were 10 other people, both men and women, all handcuffed and shackled at the waist and ankles. They sat tightly packed on seats inside a cage with no way to lie down to sleep. The air conditioning faltered to make 90-degree heat. Mr. Gallick soon grew delusional, keeping everyone awake with a barrage of chatter and odd behavior. On the third day, General Lynch, 
the van stopped in Georgia, and one of two guards on board gave a directive to the prisoners. Only body shots, one prisoner said she heard the guard say. The others began to stomp on Mr. Gallick, two prisoners said. The guards said later in depositions they had first noticed his slumped, bloodied body more than 70 miles later in Tennessee. A homicide investigation lasted less than a day, and the van continued its journey. The cause of death was found to be undetermined. This is, his ex-wife said, someone's brother, father, and it's like nobody even cared. So, General Lynch, paying transport contractors on a per-mile, prisoner-per-mile basis incentivizes overcrowding, overheated van cargo holds, taking shortcuts on officer training, skipping stops to arrest drivers and to relieve passengers. Each investment into humane conditions and treatment of prisoners cuts into the profits of these companies. And despite a federal law that passed in 2000, known as Gianna's Act, these private transport companies operate with virtually no oversight. Prisoners have died from untreated medical emergencies because officers have no medical training or just don't seem to care. Prisoners have been assaulted and raped while cramped into the back of a van just feet from the transport officers who are responsible for their safety. And reports show that prisoners often do not receive adequate food and water. The vans are unsanitary, and prisoners do not get opportunities to use the bathroom. In addition to these poor conditions, the transport system is vulnerable to prisoner escapes. Now, no America sh American should be subject to this treatment, but I would like to state clearly for the record that many of the people transported in the system have not even been convicted of any crime. Deanna's Act set out minimum standards for transport companies, including guard training, the proper use of restraints, CPR, navigation, defensive driving, maximum driving times, etc. But in spite of these minimum standards, the companies are not being held to account. And since the passage of Deanna's Act, it's been reported that at least 56 prisoners have escaped for-profit transport vehicles, 16 committed new crimes uh, while, uh, while on the run, and um, and in what is most shocking of all, uh, the act has been enforced by the Department of Justice one time in 16 years. One time in 16 years. So, uh, General Lynch, I just ask, what else can be done uh, for us to, to focus on an issue that, was, that we were so concerned about here in Congress 16 years ago that we passed legislation, but that legislation seemingly goes... Uh, unnoticed or certainly uh, unenforced. And I'll finish just by pointing out a quote from the chief operating officer of one of these companies who said, well, it's regulated by the Department of Justice, but I've never seen anybody come out to actually check on us. Uh, what can we do to, to address this problem that's, that's resulting in um, putting the result of which is that our communities are made less safe uh, and these prisoners are treated inhumanely. Well, Congressman, you raise an extremely important issue uh, because, of course, the treatment of all those within the criminal justice system at every point throughout that system has to be humane and fair, um, regardless of their status, uh, whether they're convicted or not. And certainly pretrial is just as important uh, a situation and a status as well. I'm not familiar with the situation that you've encountered, uh, but I am happy to review that, and I would hope that our staffs could continue the discussion about this issue. I would be grateful. Uh, would the gentleman yield? Uh, yeah, I would be happy to yield. I thank the gentleman for raising this issue, and if the general would... Uh, look into this in depth and report back to the committee. In addition to Mr. Deutsch, we would very much uh, <clears throat> require that. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, thank you Mr. Chairman. I yield thank back. you, Congressman. There you go, man. I mean, they just spoke of human trafficking right there in Congress. 
you know, and we reported on this. We told you that Vermont just made a deal to ship their prisoners out to Kentucky. Arizona has a prison built that only houses Hawaiians. This, uh, is, this is how it works. Yeah, this is why we named our Facebook group Move to Abolish 21st Century Slavery and Human Trafficking. And in the three years that we have been on air, we have frequently uh, talked about the human trafficking aspect of it. And and so, um, I mean, this is, again, I, I don't think that she's incompetent. I don't think that she doesn't know anything about what they're talking about. I just simply think she don't care, as well as many of these other people in government don't care. I mean, this, this is, just, again, what good are laws if you don't enforce them? So, like, for example, we can look at Hillary Clinton and uh, members of her, her inner circle and staff who clearly violated the Federal Records Act, who clearly violated the Espionage Act in gross negligence and handling sensitive government documents. But the FBI, as well as the uh, Attorney General, told us that uh, there was no intent to break the law. So that's probably what we'll hear from her and she, oh, we investigated, we saw, we saw all of these violations of the Jenna Act or whatever they called it, but we didn't find no intent to violate the law. See, that's the, now that's a precedence now. There's no intent, even though that's not what the law says. The law says if you do this, that, or the other, you are in violation. Doesn't say nothing about I intend. So, uh, so you know, I am not shocked and I am not surprised um, this woman has shown that she uh, does not stand for justice, but she stands for the status quo. And by the way, Johanna is joining us. Welcome on, brother Johanna. Peace, peace. Good to be here. I was here long enough to listen in on the uh, on uh, uh, Representative Deutsch uh, speaking to to the Attorney General, and um, you know, I mean, of course, y'all gonna break it down to the elements and, and nothing but truth about what you're saying, and it's just more evidence man just more evidence of an ongoing criminal conspiracy to uh to extort the citizens you know for for pay for for revenue i mean it just all comes down to the money so we've talked about this on this program and through several different you know groups and pages and and gatherings and and just everything that we could possibly be a part of or be invited to or every chance we get to speak we're constantly saying that you know, this is a spider web of a problem. No, it's not just the prison population, but it's everything that is attached to it and every job that is created to service it, every type of revenue that they could figure out how to generate off of it, the food, the health care, the, the, the uh, commissary, the toiletries, the transportation, the probation, the, the, uh, the, the uh, communication for the visitations, the phones, and the now the video screens, the... I mean, just on and on, plus the jobs that they make these people do on the inside. They could be jobs on the outside, paying middle-class families and paying these people. They would have never hired them before they committed crimes to survive. But on the inside, they could do it for slave wages. So this is a really, really sick and deep and many-leveled situation, which is why we're not easily impressed with pop-up activism and you know, as they would say, Johnny come lately activist and people that got the answers and show up on CNN and MSNBC and take or up all those the talk time. To go the whole route. Those who have step. I'm not mm -hmm. feeling that either. 
When you right. know what's going on, but you just won't go that far. Right, right, right. right. Hey, hey, like listen. Dr. Boyce Watkins just said that a government official came out and said there's a plan to exterminate the black race. You'll say that, but you won't say, you know, this slavery is legal thing makes a little sense. Let's talk about that. You know, one of the things that stood out to me in the language that the congressman was using was that he compared the human beings as commodities, as property, yes. as things, not people, yes. as things. And and, 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 and and I'm glad he used that language. I don't know how many other people might have picked up on it, but we picked up on it from listening to the GEO group and how they never mentioned they don't even say inmates. They don't even, they use no kind of pronouns that would indicate that they're talking about human beings. They call them beds. We getting beds filled. But they never, they never talk about that you are dealing with human beings. And, and I think that, that, in my opinion, came through in what he, I picked up on it. You know, they, we're not talking about pa- shipping pallets. You know, they talking about these people just like the shipping industry talks about shipping things and whatnot. So, so I picked up on that. And did you hear him said it clear as day? Most of these people have never been convicted of anything. They are innocent. Innocent until proven guilty is the law of the land. But these people are not being treated as innocent. They are being treated like gold bars about to be put into a vault. They are the resource. I just recently found out that uh, from uh, several resources that the average cost to put someone in jail per day is about $240-something. So I did some math. You know, an average stay is a year. So I'm adding this numbers up across the whole country thinking 13 million people go into the prisons every year. That's how many bodies pass through. How much is that in money? It's a one followed by 12 other numbers. 12 other numbers every year. That's how much money is being made and generated on 13 million bodies, whether they're guilty or innocent, being tra- traveling through just the jail system, not the prison system. Just a jail system. It's crazy. It's crazy. We are the resource. We are the gold. We are the value. We are what's making this country rich, our bodies. And if they can get us to work inside these cells, that's a bonus. But they really don't need that. That, they don't need that. That's just something extra that they're doing right now to a very large scale. All they need is your body. One kid in a jail in New York State, like our rider of the 21st Century Underground Railroad tonight, is worth $353,000 a year. How can you guys, I mean, what does it take to get through? They don't well, need to work. They just need three fifty three a year from you, the taxpayer. Right. Again, Plus this exposes the role that the federal government is playing in slavery and human. We're talking; these, he's talking about federal contracts and what have you. And as we pointed out, you know, um, um, you know, Max, I, you, you said that Bernie Sanders was a sheep herder, and I think he proved that on Tuesday. And 
he people talking about well he pushed Hillary to the left and we got these things on the platform about minimum wage raising it to fifteen dollars an hour and blah 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 and I never heard nothing about abolishing private prisons that bill that he was so proud of that he introduced we didn't hear about it on the campaign trail we ain't heard no I haven't heard anything about they tried to put it on the democratic platform to abolish private prisons and jails and Hillary Clinton after she told Black Lives Matter oh I'll end private prisons she ain't said nothing else about it okay the government is the problem of federal government is involved in slavery if you don't know what unicorn is you need to look it up all right there is a corporation owned by usa inc where they provide all kind of products and services that prisoners are making those products or providing those services so i, I i'm just you know unicorn is over 600 million dollars a year yeah, funded by the defense industries, mm-hmm. funded by the taxpayers. It's a part of the military budget. It's part of the defense budget is how they pay for Unicor. So, I mean, if that ain't a scheme, I don't know what is. <laughs> it's a straight-up scheme. It's a, it's a conspiracy to en- entrap and enslave people so you can generate labor, so you can create laborers to generate revenue for your own private interest. They can perpetuate the military machine with in-house labor that's paid at slave wages, if if paid at all. No health care, no responsibility for their lives or deaths. These people have no lives. This is not even indentured servitude where there's any hope or future of when they will get out and be free from this. They're just in prison indefinitely. They don't have to let them out. All roads point to the Clintons right now. All roads point, and for Bernie Sanders to get up there after saying the things he said of her criminal records, and after, as I know, I've talked to his campaign manager, his local managers, his South Carolina managers, I've been to his rallies, I did everything I could to, to, to discuss with his camp about modern day slavery and human trafficking, and that's when the Justice Is Not For Sale Act was put out, but I knew that that was a bone. I know what I'm being used and manipulated when somebody says, you know what, Max? Here, shut up now. You got what you wanted, now shut up. Because he knew and everybody else knew it would never pass. It's still sitting there right now, just as not for sale. If you want to vote for something, go over that. <laughs> Get that out there. And they didn't even bring it up at all, not in the first debate, not in the last debate. They never mentioned it along the trail. This Followers might have said something about it, and particularly those that we personally pushed to say something about it, but he wasn't saying nothing. So that wasn't a priority. They don't care. To, to them, it don't even exist. It's complete denial. You can look at 24 million people going through this system every year and go, oh, I guess that's normal. It's a little excessive, maybe, but we can fix it. Well, one of the leading, most of the leading groups that are accepted by the system to help so-called reform the system are talking about decarceration in these increments like uh, what is it, just uh, just leadership uh, fixing the problem for, you know, with people that have been incarcerated or whatever, so they claim. Our friend uh, Brother Glenn, um, what is their number? Something like decarcerating by like 20,000 20, or something? <laughs> by 2020, I mean, like, just numbers that make no sense. It's 2.3 million people 
and nearly 10 million is in some form of probation or parole under supervision. All of them could be violated at any time. And you talk about getting rid of like 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people, hell, 100,000. I mean, what is this number out of millions? Right. That's sort of like um, the CEO of USA Inc. signing an executive order to limit the use of solitary confinement on juveniles in the federal prisons. And what, what was that? What, 10 people maybe? 10 people when, when juvenile detention facilities all over this country is using that uh, form of torture against children. Not that it's right against human beings and adults, but, I mean, adults, but, I mean, children. So, I mean, they're not really doing anything, man. We ain't got, I don't need no 20-year plan to end slavery. We need it to end now. Quick history lesson, people listening in. Slavery didn't end in 1865. It was transformed through the 13th Amendment Succession Clause and began immediately after in 1866 with convict leasing. At the convict leasing, they also added chain gangs. This went on up until 1928 when it was replaced only five short years later by what we just spoke of earlier called Unicor in 1934. Unicor is a $900 million a year industry that only operates on prison slave labor and they work with the military for providing everything from components to missiles to uh, computer uh, gear or uniforms. And they also work making goods and services sold on the open market through companies like McDonald's and Burger King and Starbucks and uh, Victoria's Secret and Whole Foods. They're all in on that. That, since 1934, has still been going on right here today. In our Constitution, it still says slavery is legal as long as you're a prisoner duly convicted, unless you happen to be in the state of Georgia or Vermont. In the state of Georgia, you can become a prisoner for contempt of court in their Constitution, and in Vermont, you can become a prisoner or a slave or things called the like, whatever that may mean. Mm. Meanwhile, Rudy Giuliani is on national television saying, you know what? You better teach your kids the problem's not police. The problem is 99 out of 100 of them are going to get killed by other black kids. Mm. You got some other cop on CNN. Uh, you know, I want to smack CNN as a corporation right in the face as a corporation for even allowing this guy to be on there over and over again, who will stand up and say that all blacks are prone to criminality by birth, that they're just born criminals, and then throw out some numbers about how the majority of black people are arrested in New York uh, City for all of these lists of crimes that he has, not realizing that he's not showing proof that we're born criminals, but that they are targeting us. This is your list of victims. The same crimes are happening in white communities. Whites do more drugs uh, per person than blacks do, and yet blacks are the most that you're arresting, aren't they? Well, it's... Y'all got to keep stressed to remember. <laughs> Sad state of affairs. I mean, you spot on, man. It ain't nothing that could be said to, to tell you to take it back a notch. I mean, you right at the level that they meeting us at. So if your rhetoric, if your words... If our propaganda on this program is abrasive to someone that's listening and hasn't taken time to ever hear anything like this before, has never studied it, or has been invited tonight and it's their first time and it's like, oh my God, what are they saying? If this is abrasive to you, then try being the hunted. Try being the one that's in the, in the target, in the sights. 
Right. Because I can so damn sure guarantee you that's a bracelet. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't tell you to take it down. I mean, you're right spot on. That's the degree that they're meeting us with. We're meeting it back with, with the same type of forceful rhetoric. And I, that, another reason why I can't I can't uh, discourage the people that have, that have, I mean, if you're doing things to, that end up with you being martyred for freedom in this situation we're in, I mean, it's not like there's there's not a body of evidence to support the fact that you were being warred upon. It's not like the history doesn't clearly reflect it that you've been being under attack for your entire life, for generations, that you've been hunted. It's not like the information doesn't fully support that it is a conspiracy. So everybody that likes to, to twist that, that word and try to make conspiracy like you must, conspiracy is equivalent to insanity. No, it's not. Conspiracy is just a word like anything else, and it has a definition. And it is the definition fits what is going on. There are several that come together and conspire against others or for some plan or some uh, agenda that they want to push forward and they're doing this unchecked they're doing this uncontested largely except for the new abolitionist movement except for other grassroots movements that understand what the hell is going on but guess how many microphones those groups have in their faces for a national audience little right. to none little we're to none threat. we're a threat to white supremacy clear as day and the people that don't know what's going on get the get microphones coming out their mouth, ass, ears, nose. Where if they fart, you're gonna hear about it on the on national. They're like regular guests on CNN and Fox News yes. all the time. These Negroes ain't about to bust a grape. They're not gonna they're not gonna trouble the the late night dream of a racist white supremacist. They're not gonna cause a, a upset stomach for a slaver. They're they're less than a hangnail. To a to a George Zoli, to a Damon Heinegger, they they they're nothing. They don't even register on the radar. That's how far the hell away they are from what the hell is going on. So no, I can't yep. tell you to calm down, bro. I'm shit. I'm trying to keep from <laughs> flipping out myself. I can't believe it. There were some things that really bothered me. In addition to everything else going to have me upset, one was finding out that Delando Castillo was pulled over 31 times by cops and had three charges, and most of them, of them were uh, poverty, traffic tickets and things like that. They had extorted him thousands of dollars. It was just a matter of time for him, 31 times that his life was in danger by slave catchers. It was, uh, He had beat the odds already. And the other thing is, they bombed the dude. They, they used a remote control bomb to kill the man out in, De in Dallas. This has never been done in the United States on this level before where the police now can remote control kill your ass. It's only a matter of time before there are drones flying outside your windows with 45 calibers at the end of their damn sticks. Mm -hmm. It's like something out of the Bible, man. It's like, it's just, it's crazy. And then, Finally, one of the other things that uh, I just want to share is it was this message or note or thoughts and ideas that came out from Michelle Alexander. Now, you know, uh, I love Michelle Alexander. I don't feel she went far enough, and I've said so publicly. We all have. I think it was a misdirection that people were purposely being misdirected towards mass incarceration, which became popularized instead of the term slavery, and that it's not Jim Crow, it's slavery. Well, now she's come to the conclusion that this can't be fixed. 
she, she says it in her notes. And I don't know if you guys have read it there or not, but she hits every nail on the head. I think she's only an edge, just a little bit away from becoming an abolitionist, saying, you know what, I've decided this can't be fixed. I, I feel that in my heart. So the only thing we can do is that abolish it. So I just wanted to share those on all our new abolitionist radio Facebook page. I zoomed through some news reports. That's what I just did. Listening to new abolitionist radio. We're going to take a commercial break. We'll be right back. Then. Black Talk Radio Network is made possible in part with help from the Black Talk Media Project, a North Carolina-based nonprofit engaged in the production and distribution of independent digital black media. Find out more by going to blacktalkradionetwork.com or blacktalkmediaproject.org and look for the menu tab, Crowdfunding Black Media. Black Talk Media Project, helping to provide you with new black media for the new millennium. Tuned in to Black Talk Radio, new black media for the new millennium. Peace and welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. Um, brothers, unless you guys have a pressing story that you want to share. Um, um, to talk about. Well, Hello? we do have another caller. Okay, all right, great. Uh, let's take, a, take our call. Area code five six one. Thank you for calling in the New Abolitionist Radio. Go ahead with your question or comment. Hey, what's going on, fellas? Uh, am I coming through okay? Yes, sir. How are you today, brother Sin? I'm doing all right, uh, man. I'm, I'm doing pretty good, man. Woke up a couple couple more people. How you How you doing today? How y'all doing today? Surviving as as best we can. No, that's right. Um, yeah, man. I. I just listening, you know what I mean. And as I as I stated, I got a I got a couple uh, about two two or three more people to um, to see that uh, you know slavery still exists. I pointed out the exception clause in the Thirteenth Amendment, and um, I, I read it to them, and I you know I asked them questions about it, and I got the same response from all three of them, which was just a look of astonishment, and. After that, it was a look of anger. These were these were uh, melanin mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, talk, and they 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 stay on board, man. They on board. They got they got. I gave them the uh, you know, you know the website. I, I gave them tune. I told them download. I downloaded one of them <laughs> on on a guy's phone to tune in out and put in you know the the, uh, the the stations that I listen to, which is this station, the cows, time for an awakening, and uh. Black Agenda Radio, and um, it just it was it was it it was it was invigorating. You know what I mean? I can't say it made me feel happy. Can't say it, I was elated, but I just I you felt, feel blessed, like you was a messenger right, of, of truth, right. and you watched them receive truth, and you saw it light up in their faces and go through the whole emotional change when truth hits you, right? Yeah, I've right. seen this so many times, brother. It's an amazing experience because you're a messenger of truth. That's right, 
and that it, you know it was a, the, the power that I said that I, I felt powerful because you're born in a you're born into a system where you you are deemed powerless you deemed powerless while you're in the womb so any little vestige of power that we can can grab or, or snatch back is like like I said it's empowering and um I, I just I don't know man I, I'm, I'm 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 here I've been talking to a lot of people I just really just called in and just I've been talking to a lot of people and um I've been just been passing out information watch your back there brother yeah, and that's that's the, that's the thing I was gonna get at because I'm I'm more or less in the spot where nobody really knows where I'm at when I when I uh, uh, the government they don't they they can find me up I'm sure of course but nobody knows exactly where I'm pinpointed so it's like they they shut my Facebook down um I still got I still got my a couple of my other sites but they shut that down and I realize it's because I'm not just putting the uh, the memes up I'm actually I'm doing videos and I'm I'm not just ranting. I'm actually saying, you know, educational stuff, telling people, pointing them where to go at. And I'm saying in my head, I, I can't be the only one doing it. But I realize as insignificant as I think I may be, something, something going on must be of some importance. To, to, I must be a, a, a detriment to somebody because, you know, they don't they don't just do things like that. So I, I just want to say that, man, you guys empower me, and that's what I'm doing with others, I'm talking to them, pointing things out. Giving them the sights, and I just, I just want y'all brothers to just be safe, man, and keep doing what y'all doing. Word, word. Thank you, brother. Thank, you, Thank you, brother. Thank you, man, for brother. That. You keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing, man. We all gotta keep doing it. The more noise you make, sometimes, eventually, uh, it's only a matter of time for the people who are against this start hearing you. But you know what was most, um, most inspiring from his call was that. The, he told the people the information they listened to him they absorbed the information they came to the logical conclusion that slavery had never been abolished and then they got angry about it got angry about it and the first thing they usually want to do after that is get to work they want to get to work what can we do I got an idea how about if we do this let's let's because they're just excited they want to do something then what you can do the most important thing you can do is look deeper first. Read a little bit more. Come to a better understanding because there's nothing new under the sun. We're copying our forefathers right now. We're taking their advice. Frederick Douglass is telling me what to do. Uh, William Lloyd uh, Garrison is telling me what to do. There's nothing new we're doing here. So don't just jump in and keep first not knowing what's going on. Look around you and try to understand a little bit more and then focus on what your talents are and take your talents and apply them. Definitely agree. I mean, it's it's, it's going to be a matter of, of people realizing what their gifts are, what their talents are. I know that uh, you know this society tends to kind of dumb people down, uh, encourage people to just kind of let things go and kind of overlook. And this microwave generation just you know move from thing to thing to thing, attention deficit, not really getting deep into topics. But I can promise you, the people that are in control and running things creating legislation, administrating, you know, all of the police departments, handling the monies, handling, you know, all of these things we're discussing, these people are operating off of plans that have been put in place by think tanks that are staffed by PhDs. They're not going to the labor ready around the corner 
or the day labor little temp job place and saying, hey, man, you want a job giving us an idea on what we should do with our society? They are getting the best of the best out of every college and university, not only in America, but around the world. The most brilliant mathematicians, the most brilliant social engineers and people with all these this education and this, you will never even understand how deep these people are. And they're putting them in situations where they're funding them with unlimited funds to continue to, to refine and evolve this system of slavery to keep on running on all cylinders without no end in sight. You're up against a professional organization of some of the top minds on the planet. Why are we playing? Why are we? Why are we playing with this thing like it's just some boo boo the fool from down the street don't like you? So as long as you ignore him and go the other way around the corner, you ain't gonna have to fight him. You're fighting against people that are the Hitlers, that are the Mussolinis and the great dictators and great mass murderers of of the back in the day. You hear about and learn about it. You're fighting against the people that are operating in that same spirit right now. Why mm -hmm. the hell don't people wake up and realize that? You mm. might as well call Damon Heinegger Hitler. You might as well call damn George Zoli Hitler. You might as well call some of these legislators to sit up here and take this money from these lobbyists. Types of Hitlers. Types of Antichrists. I mean, these are some of the most evil people well, on the they, planet. Well, hey, 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 they do fashion themselves after George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin wow. Franklin. Oh, yeah. Slave, the original slavers of the country. Right. Who made it look good and, and made you be proud of their slavery? Like, look, I'm a slaver, and just made you happy. So you got to be to the point where you call them forefathers. You know, uh, like Jefferson raping someone, and call you got the nerve to call her his mistress. He owned her. Made right. sure she. It wasn't like he said, "Hey, can right. we get it on?" I know I'm a married man, and you live here in the same house as me. But can I get it? There wasn't no request. He took her. Right. And probably took his own daughters too. Hey, give right. me a second. Right. Let me uh, clear uh, Q the and coop, AQ the is cleared. Um, make sure Johanna's still unmuted. That way, if we get any new calls or somebody wants to chime back in, please hit star six and one. Um, that will signal me. The telephone number is 641-715-3660. The participant code is 549-032-POUND. Again, star six and one to come in on air. Guys, I have to uh, uh, take five minutes to address something that's going on um, right here, and I will be right back. Please continue. Indeed, indeed. Uh, there was something I wanted to share, Johanna, and I want to share it publicly. Um, it's going to be as much a surprise to me as it is to everybody else. But, you know, I, I will hold people accountable for what they're saying and doing because I'm pleading. I'm pleading with everybody around me to recognize the circumstance, start changing your language, start addressing the core issue, and stop helping to mislead our people by chasing symptoms of a disease rather than the disease itself. And, you know, I hear them say some of the most outlandish stuff uh, will come out of their mouths, like recently, uh, and it's not, it's not outlandish and it's not true. It's just some of the most out there stuff that could possibly be true. Like, I just put up the post uh, on New Abolitionist Radio where Dr. Boyce Watkins is talking about this government official who said that there's a literal legitimate government plan to exterminate black people. Now, that's way out there, but this brother who is high standing in the community with a lot of ears put that out there, but I don't hear him say anything about legalized slavery. 
I don't hear it. It's like it don't exist. Like that's too far fetched. The same thing with Michelle Alexander. I love her. I, I share her work and her ideas and and and, and all the stuff I can. But I want to hold her to a higher standard because she's right there. She can see it. She can't deny it to me. She can't deny it to Johanna. She can't deny it to you. We all see the same thing, but she's just not going that far. And I'm trying to push her to go that far. So I will push those around us who consider themselves leaders and have. Uh, the ear of the public in order to get them to address this situation. That's all I'm asking. Consider it. I'm not telling you to change your life. I'm just saying take it into consideration. Is slavery happening right now today, legalized through the 13th Amendment and exploited by our federal, state, and local governments? That's the question. Yes or no? Give me details if you like. You don't even have to go in it. Just pick one. Yes or no? So I put out something like that and regards recently to several of those uh, people I mentioned, and I'll read it out loud for you. Mainly, I was talking about the media and how they're going to suppress anything that's a threat to white supremacy. I bet if Sean King ever published a column saying slavery never ended, and we need to become abolitionists today, he'd never write for the Daily News again. I bet if Dr. Cornell West spoke as passionately about ending prison for profit as he does about the plight of Palestinians, he'd be out of a job. I bet if Michelle Alexander ever came out and said, after much thought, I have decided to become an abolitionist because slavery never ended, her books would be banned from the shelves. Go along to get along is not a winning strategy, and all three of them know as well as I do what is going on here. Well, I got a reply from Sean King. I've never read it. I pulled the page open. I'm going to read it out loud from him right now. It's not that long. I get your point. But I've actually said that very thing. The New York Daily News does not filter me at all. Okay, Sean, if you said that, and this, again, this is my first time reading this reply, let me see it. I, I want to see what you said, because I want to share it. If you said slavery didn't end, and it's in the Daily News, I want to share it, hand it to me, pass it to me, send me a link, something, Sean. And please, come on the broadcast. We want to talk to you. You have the ability to influence many right now. And we need you to talk about slavery and human trafficking as much as anything else. There you have it. Man, I'm pretty sure people... Can you hear me, Max? Yes. Okay, yeah, I'm pretty sure people that follow this program and have heard me on here for the years that I've been blessed to be a part of what's going on here, I already know. Man, I'm not having this. I just I can't deal with it. I I mean I, I endorse you, I endorse Scotty Reed, I endorse you know Brother Callie Acuno, Arlene Eason. I mean I got people that we work with in the grassroots, in the trenches out here that I see either day to day or speak with day to day or week to week. That I see their message. I know what they're talking about. It sounds like truth. It feel like truth. It tastes like truth. I process it through my body and it come out of me is still truth. And then it's everybody else. I don't need GMO abolition. I'm not even going to endorse it. I'm not even. I'm not down with these people, man. If you are trying to keep a job, you are not prepared to be an abolitionist. It's just coming to that point in this society, in this time, in this situation that we're in. Right. If you're trying to keep a job, I was talking with a sister last night about Mark Lamont Hill. He was here in Kansas City at uh, UMKC, uh, University of Missouri, Kansas City, speaking uh, not too long ago. And, 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 you know, she was just talking about how he really just got in there and was just talking about this and that and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, man, I don't really give a damn. Because, you know, it's all good to go to a room of uh, 300 people and, and hint and tap dance around slavery 
and, and have all this fiery rhetoric about what we need to do and what they're doing to us and blah, 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 and then go right back to your Huffington Post uh, uh, online TV show and then uh, campaign for your VH1 late night TV show and make yourself a celebrity and continue to continue to save face with white supremacy. If you're going to be an abolitionist, you're going to have to throw some blows. You're going to have to throw some licks that you can't take back. You're going to have to throw some blows that leave a mark. There's no other way to win a fight. You got to. You got to. got to be willing to lose it all to gain everything. Freedom is everything. I mean, Max, the, Go ahead, the, the most controversial thing that I associate, and maybe I'm wrong, and I'm not saying this to like jump on Sean King's case. I mean, the brother's doing what he's doing. It's just like any of these celebrities that come out and, you know, with Beyonce with the, with the Super Bowl thing or whatever. I don't know what she was really trying to say or whoever, but that's what she could do. If that's the best she could do, that's what she could do. She's not going to be Harriet Tubman. She did what she could do. Uh, right. Kendrick Lamar at the, at the Grammys or whatever. He did what he could do. Sean right. King is doing what he can do. Right. But when you see a warrior come through, when you see an abolitionist come through, when they got weapons that you're not willing to fire, when they got a technique mm. that you're not willing to employ, then make way and let them do some damage. The most controversial thing I know about with this guy is when somebody accused him of not being all black, yeah. I think. So yeah. When the some of all black, black, racist, yeah. Racial doers or whatever her name is. Yeah. So that's like the most controversial thing that I know of in the course of his career. Hell, Scotty had Angela uh, Chan come on the Black Talk right. Radio News and, and say straight up, yes, slavery was never abolished. How post-abolished it out? Why is it so difficult for these people to a man, to a woman, year after year, to just never be caught anywhere with a microphone in their face or with a with a, a, a word processor, laptop, whatever, at their fingertips, where they can just say, you know what, slavery was never abolished. Let's just quit playing the game. Everything at this point and going forward, we're we're analyzing through the eyes of slavery is not over. Why can't they do it? Exactly. Exactly. Um, is he the one or two? After years of research, not only from us, but from abolitionists as far back as the early 1800s and before, we are showing you day in, day out, this is beyond the shadow of a doubt, legalized slavery and human trafficking. Every witness you can imagine, we've provided it. Every expert you can imagine has been here on New Abolitionist Radio, from uh, constitutional lawyers down to prison guards themselves who were first-hand witnesses and experts on the issue. And they all have agreed. What are you waiting for? Mm. You know, um, in my mind, for a person who can't, acknowledge it for what it is and come to the truth that this is slavery a continuation of slavery that we're looking at they're either one or two people they are either not highly educated to the point well let's just say they don't have good reading comprehension they either have never come across the 13th amendment and if they have and they read it and they still don't understand that slavery was never abolished then you know um i I put that on reading comprehension the others um i feel like hell they they don't want to uncover it man because they want it to continue that i I mean anybody that has just read the 13th amendment i'm not going to tell you to go study this study just read the damn 13th amendment 
It's like eight lines long. It ain't even that long. Not even that long. So, you know, um, um, in order to solve a problem, you first got to identify the problem. See, that's the problem is that we are misidentifying what is wrong. And they're not misidentifying it. They're identifying it, and you know that they are by the way that they're avoiding it. True. They, they, they know what it is, and they've proven that they know what it is yeah, by I how was, hard was, they I work was, to make sure they never admit it. Yeah, I was talking about the masses of the people. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know what you're saying. But I, I know mean, they know. To a certain extent, I believe that the masses, that the general public is in on this mess. I mean, people ain't walking around here dumb. They trying to play dumb because once you know, then you're responsible for something. So they're trying so they to don't want to always saying you can't wake up somebody that ain't sleep. These right. people are not ignorant of what's going on. They know that there is something happening, and when they hear the word said, and they still just, but I just can't understand. You a lie. You understand? I see how they react. Like I've been on radio broadcasts with groups of ministers, for instance, some leaders in their community, and I put out this information about slavery never ending, and I'm sure that they had not heard it before based on my discussion with them on air prior to that, and no sooner than they heard it, then they became experts on it, as if they had always been fighting it, and then they promptly forgot it and moved on to something else. It barely registered in their minds, except for that one few moments when they were experts on it, and then it was something else. You really have to consider this. It's either true or false. We're either liars or truth tellers. And if we're truth tellers, this is the most important issue in the United States and globally. I'll go as far as to say globally right now because entire nations have been changed over hands into private prisons where there's a private for-profit company running your entire country. Yep. And they got their headquarters, a couple of them got their headquarters right here in America. Right here. So and so Representative Deuce was talking from Florida, right there in Florida, right standing behind them probably is the headquarters for the GEO Group, which is the second largest in the world, and G4S, which is the European arm of the GEO Group, which is actually the second largest privately owned corporation on the entire globe, and also the largest employer in the entire continent of Africa, with a standing army of their own, 8,000 men who they use as mercenaries in military uh, warfare. It's a global conspiracy, man. It's a conspiracy to continue, whether you call it white supremacy, if you just call it straight-up evil. I really don't think at this point that that it that who is doing it is really the issue. I mean, yes, of course, we're going to continue to identify it, you know, identify it with white supremacy, because it's you know in our knowledge in our in our time of recorded history you know it kind of comes from the same racist uh, roots and what have you or whatever but I mean I just honestly feel it's just a matter of good and evil at this point I mean whoever's perpetrating we found enough Negroes and Latinos and Asians and whoever else would be happy to jump in on the party just more than happy to be a part of this and do their brother and sister wrong and re financial benefits and titles and token positions and spotlights to be like they're somebody and important on the backs of and the deaths of the blood of the suffering of the slave labor of their fellow man so I mean yeah it's white supremacy to an extent but it's just evil period you can't get clean and successful which is why I trip out when I hear these police who whistle blow and come out and lose their jobs and then cry and complain because they want their jobs back 
You just came and told us that the police force is practicing racism, they're killing people, they're exploiting people, they're extorting people, and your concern now is you can't get the job back. <laughs> oh, my God. If you really cared, you wouldn't have the job. You'd walk out today. Well, we got about a few minutes left in this part of our broadcast for our weekly stories. Johanna or Scotty, do you have anything pressing that you would want to discuss on uh, air today? We do have a number of stories. We'll never be able to get through all of them, as we always say. We try our best to get to the ones we feel you need to know that you haven't heard, uh, possibly. So, uh, do any brothers have something you want to share this week? Um, no, I can't think of anything particular right now. You mean like from the length that we got as far as the stories? That yes. We yes. I mean, remember I, you had something about Giuliani and his connection to private prisons too. Well, yeah. I mean, just I feel like as much uh, as much trash as he talks and uh, as much as he loves to put his face out here and, and make an ass of himself and just say basically he wishes that he could be a slave owner straight up like old school style. I mean, he's really that bad. Then we might as well give him a little light. He wants the spotlight. He out here talking that stuff. Then we might as well give him some light. While he's doing like what Max said earlier, we're talking about how black kids are more likely to kill each other than the police. Raise your kids to know that. Raise your children to know that the real danger is going to be other black people. While he's talking about we're just born to be violent. While he's talking all of this stuff that he talks, he is one of the biggest cheerleaders of modern day incarceration, modern day uh, enslavement of, of primarily black folks because he benefits financially from it. There's just no way around it. New York Daily News called him out, put it out there, let it be known. This came out uh, some days, I think maybe this week. It's fairly new news, um, July the 12th. So Tuesday says, uh, as Rudy Giuliani rails against Black Lives Matter, his law firm reaps tens of thousands of dollars lobbying Congress for the biggest operator of private prisons in America. Now that number is is kind of pisses me off because they know that ain't nobody doing all the shit this man, excuse me, there ain't nobody doing all the dirt this guy does for no $10,000. These people is reaping millions of dollars off of this system somehow. Whether One it's over the heroes behind it, just for the jail. Yeah, man, come on. You think he's doing what he's doing with his credentials, with his resume, with his influence? With his power, his political power, his societal recognition, his name recognition, you think he's just selling that for $10,000? Are you crazy? Hell, I could go find, I could mess around and get a, a speaking engagement. Max, you could get a speaking engagement and mess around and get $10,000. Rudy Giuliani is in this thing for the millions. You better believe it. He's in it for the money. There ain't no way that number is close to right. But anyway, in January, the former law and order mayor left his longtime firm, Giuliani and Bracewell, and jumped to Greenberg Torrig a major lobbyist firm with dozens of deep pocket clients. One client is a subsidiary of the Corporation Corrections Corporation of America. <sighs> Giuliani's law firm is currently fighting a law that would bar the government from hiring private contractors like CCA to run prisons. Oh, so there's your law that Bernie Sanders tried to put out there and gave it to Rudy to dismantle. That's why we're not hearing about it because they're currently dismantling it. The company has been repeatedly criticized for putting profit ahead of rehabilitation by cutting costs and hiding information on how it operates. It took, a one, it took in $1.8 in revenue last year. 
Disclosure forms show CCA has spent more than $11 million on lobbyists over the last decade, which that number's wrong. We've reported here from other sources that it could be as high as $20 million or more that they spent on both sides of the aisle. So that $11 million may, may well only represent what they spent on the Republican elections, on national elections. But between Republicans and Democrats and independents, on local, state, and national elections, these people have spent over $20 million in the last 10 years to stop laws that would stop them from growing the slave machine. Anyway, so they uh, says uh, over the last decade, the press congress and the executive branch on a variety of pet issues. From 2013, March uh, through March, a subsidiary of CCA, the Tennessee CCA of Tennessee LLC has paid Greenberg Tory $350,000 to monitor issues pertaining to the issue uh, pertaining to the construction and management of privately operated prisons and detention facilities. Giuliani joined the firm January 19th as a senior advisor to the executive chairman and as chairman of the firm's cybersecurity, privacy, and crisis management practice. What the hell does all that even mean? He joined the firm in January as a senior advisor to the executive chairman and as Chairman of, and he's also chairman of the firm Cybersecurity, Privacy, and Crisis Management Practice. Okay. In the first quarter of 2016, CCA paid the firm $20,000 in the first quarter. Okay. Records for the second quarter have yet to be filed. Um, so I will put this up here, but it does say the firm is now involved in trying to kill a bill called the Justice is Not for Sale Act. Mm, mm, mm. The bill introduced last fall in the Senate by Bernie Sanders would, amongst other things, ban city, state, and federal governments from hiring private contractors to run prisons. Its House equivalent has 30 co-sponsors. CCA spokesman Burns said Greenberg Torig is working to, quote-unquote, help educate officials on the meaningful solutions we provide to the federal government as well as the potential impact that the bill would have on the government's ability to safely and effectively house inmates and continue slavery. CCA has added, we have a strict, long-standing zero-tolerance policy not to lobby for, oh my God. All right, CCA, he adds, has a strict, long-standing zero-tolerance policy not to lobby for or against or take any position on policies or legislation that would determine the basis for our duration of an individual's incarceration or detention. Really? Really? I, I'm, I'm not going to read it anymore. I'll post the link. I mean, y'all know what this is. Just, Jesus. No shame, man. No shame. Remember, this dude was the mayor. The same guy who thinks all black people are born criminals who are telling children, beware your neighbor's kids because they're going to grow up to kill you. This same guy, this racist devil, is making money on those prisons and prisoners. And he's working with the private prison companies who were put into place as we know them today by the Clinton crime bill. When the Clinton crime bill was introduced back in 94, Wackenhut Correctional Corporation went public. Within four years, their stock had Quadru uh, had went ten times its value within four years. Three quarters of their contracts were government contracts issued from the Clinton, from the Cl from the Clintons themselves, the Clinton on cabinet, to this company Wackenhut. Since then, 
They have become global giants under the name of the GEO Group, who also owns G4S as part of their group. This is a huge monstrosity put into place by the Clintons as we know it, which has become a grinder for human bodies, not only in America, but across the globe now. I mean, we're not we're not saying anything uh, off message. We're not coming with something new. We're not we're not changing directions. You know, on this program, you you can feel pretty safe and secure. You know, this is like watching a uh, old school just sitcom TV or something, uh, old school Dukes of Hazard or something. You know, every week they're gonna jump that General Lee over a creek. You know, every week Kit gonna hit the turbo boost and go flying over something. You know, every week you know we're gonna drop a bomb on you about what these people are doing. While last week you would do anything to stop these police killings. You know, a week ago when we were on this program, it was Alton Sterling. And when we got off the program, it was uh, Philando Castile. Like they do like they do pretty much every week. When we on air, we're talking about one story. By the time we get off air, before we can get offline, it's a new story that's just as bad or worse. So we got to wait right. till next week to tell you about it. You, all of us, talk about it amongst ourselves, and the rest of America discusses it. Then we get a chance to analyze it by the next Wednesday. You remember when we get when here, something else happens. Mm -hmm. You remember when we had Kevin Alexander Gray on the program yes. discussing yes. the murder yes. and while we were on air, nine people were being killed in Charleston. Yes, yes. I'll never forget that. That's right up there for me. That's right up there. Is the <clears throat> excuse me the day? <clears throat> excuse me the day I was in the barbershop and the news broke through and showed the building in Oklahoma City that had been blown away. It's right mm. up there with me for the same the same kind of way. I was at work going into the break room just by happenstance and happened to catch the TV showing the, the World Trade Center uh, building one on fire and like, what's right. going on? What's going on? Boom, here's the second plane and watching the second one hit it. Sitting there watching it as it happened. That happening that night is right up there with those same types of memories for me, that is an American tragedy that I will live with and I will die with. And I don't know if this country is going to be able to ever produce a, a situation where I will feel at peace about what was what happened then. We were here talking about the possibility of that about to occur because of the language being used by yes. Donald Trump and Ann yes. Coulter. And while we were talking about it, it occurred. Mm-hmm. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio. We're going to continue when we come back after these messages. Radio since 2008, providing new black media for the masses. Peace and welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. Max, uh, we're gonna, yes, sir. Can we, you hear me? Yes, we have two callers. All right, uh, you're tuning in to New Abolitionist Radio. Uh, state your 
name, where you're calling from, and your question or comment. Uh, Scotty, you can pick one. Yeah, if there's an eight oh. Let that in by any chance. Yeah, we got a non. I, I never ask people for their names or anything like that. So we got an anonymous caller. You should have heard your mic on mute. So go ahead with your question. Yeah, that comment. would be me. Thank you for calling in. What's on your mind? Well, I wanted to speak on the tail end of uh, <laughs> what you guys were talking about in terms of the Thirteenth Amendment and slavery never being abolished. And uh, also, as far as privatization of prison and prisons for profit. By the way, this is Jay Skills. Peace, and welcome back to the program, Jay Skills. Jay Peace, Skills Max, is how you guest, doing, brother? a guest of ours several years ago. He's an expert in the prison industrial complex, and particularly on Wackenhut's uh, history, and he's had some historical achievements of his own in this fight. And uh, I got to admit, this brother really opened my eyes to a lot of things uh, early years and years ago. Okay, the first thing that I'd like to, you know, make mention of is we we constantly talk about the 13th Amendment and slavery never being abolished, but we keep forgetting about the black codes. And, you know, when we, when we speak about the black codes, that was something that completely circumvented the 13th Amendment of the Constitution. Indeed. We speak about that here often, black codes. Because we see them in today's uh, environment, the black codes again with the stop and frisk. Right, but it's not even just in today's environment. This has been going on since the black code inception back in uh, Chicago, Illinois, to be exact where it started. For those that don't know, the black codes were put into place directly after the Emancipation Proclamation, which criminalized black life and made things illegal, like uh, vagrancy, for instance. If you didn't have any money in your pocket, you could go to jail. If, uh, you not even just vagrancy, wrong. but congregating, you know, more than three or four brothers together after a certain time of night. There were curfews put in place and everything else. We can't, you Walking know... parallel railroad tracks. Mm-hmm. We, we have to really understand what the black holes consisted of to understand what's going on in today's society as far as the stop and frisk, which was originally called under the Giuliani administration, which you guys mentioned Giuliani, which is a whole other topic, stop question and frisk. Okay, but now it's called stop and frisk for short. Okay, fine, no big deal. But uh, you know, as we mentioned, Geo Group, and we went and, and we mentioned Wack and Hut, and we mentioned CCA. It, you know, we we got to go back to the origin, the, the original organization that started this whole privatization for prison, which is Corecraft. Okay, because Corecraft has been around for over fifty years utilizing people of color that have been incarcerated as slaves to where, depending on where you're located, in particular upstate New York, yeah, you make 35 cents an hour for cutting and carrying logs. We also need to take into consideration as we talk about, you know, Wacken Hunt going public or Geo Group going public, who is the original founder of this portion of it, and that goes back to Parish and Square. Can't remember remember the dude's name right now, but basically the CEO of of uh, Parishion Square publicly stated, and you can find articles on it anywhere, that the only way you can lose in investing in private privatized prisons 
is if people stop committing crimes. And in the same breath, we also have to take into consideration this revolving door, the recidivism rate. Could you repeat that last point? I'm sorry to interrupt, but I didn't catch that last point about um, the only way to reduce it is to stop committing crimes. The only way you would lose an investment by investing in privatized prisons is if people stop committing crimes. Got you. I understand. Thank you. Okay, which basically he was saying is not going to happen. Now, you or they'll just make up new crimes like they always have. Door, what I just referred to as far as the recidivism rate, which basically says that three out of every five men, black men will be incarcerated. Two out of each of those three will be incarcerated again over and over and over. Why? Because there is no rehabilitation in prison. There is no profit for there to be any rehabilitation in prison. They right. teach us trades. They give us degrees. They will, you know, pay for education. Not even pay for education, but have people come in supposedly educating us and allow us to sit back and get a diploma, get a GED, get a bullshit degree, or anything else. But it's written from the beginning as far as when you fill out a job application have you ever been incarcerated and it started out have you ever been incarcerated of a felony in the past 10 years then they diminished it to seven years then they then they diminished it to have you ever been convicted of anything misdemeanor or whatever ever yeah right hey okay uh, J skills listen I would. I really want to get into this de- detail, but we have two more segments to do and another call out on the line. I'd like to be able to give them a chance to say something as well. Uh, if we can maybe schedule a time for you to come in as a guest, well, we can sit down and we can go into this core craft thing because that's something that I haven't heard and it, it's new. The other stuff we've kind of been telling people about in here, but that core craft sounds like something very interesting. If you want to know the truth, go to the roots of things and you'll put out those roots. So uh, thanks for calling in. Uh, any anything you want to leave with it before we reach yeah, the other thing that I want to leave with you is uh, you know we, we uh, from what I was listening to you know it was touched on as far as the events this week as far as the mass shootings are concerned and everything else but then there's also the things that you don't hear about for instance you don't hear about it hasn't been publicized about how a New York City police officer killed a gentleman by the name of uh, Delron Small in a road rage incident where Delron Small was cut off by an off-duty police officer from the 79th precinct here in, or in Brooklyn. And when he got out to approach the officer, off-duty officer, the, literally it's all caught on camera, but it was not publicized until the camera footage was released within one second of him stepping out of his vehicle and approaching the off-duty police officer, the police officer shot him twice and killed him. Yes, so sir. there are a lot of things that are going on on a regular basis that we don't hear about based on the regions that we live in, based on the things that are taking place. But yes, there is an all-out assault on black men, young black men, by white police officers. Indeed, and brother. You, can, you can find that information on New Abolitionist Radio, the video that he's talking about out of New York uh, is right there on our webpage, so uh, go take a look at it. 
Uh, thanks again for calling in, Brother J. Skills, and we'll reschedule and we'll bring you in as a guest and talk further. Peace, fam. All right, let's take this other call, area code 609. Uh, greetings to you, Brother Scotty, and to all the other brothers. This is Ross. How are you all doing? Greetings, Ross. Peace, brother. Greetings. Um, you guys are having a great show tonight. I just wanted to um, chime in on some of the things you discussed. I'll try and keep it brief. Um, in reference to the clip um, with uh, Loretta Lynch, I found it telling not just that the, the guy who was uh, asking her questions, I found it telling that not only did he describe the prisoners as chattel, essentially, mm -hmm. he also described the uh, transportation, and the transportation sounds like the bowels of the place to me. I mean, mm -hmm. for, the, for the brother to pass out and be hot and to be chained and, and, and the whole scenario he described sounds like the bowels of a slave ship and I don't know if that went over many people's heads but I mean like the, the ability to associate the prison industrial complex with slavery is just I mean beyond just the 13th amendment that description alone is proof positive the other thing I wanted to discuss too was um, the whole process of medical experimentation on prisoners um, I don't know how many people talk about that, but we just finished reading on the child's medical apartheid, and she goes into great detail on the uh, medical experimentation done on, on black people in prison. Um, also, you have uh, Acres of Skin and Sentence of Science by Alan Hornblum, where he actually interviews people um, from uh, the Philadelphia Prison Industrial Complex that had the most heinous chemicals put on their skin for the um, cosmetics industry, and they were damaged for life. Um, just incredible, and, and I, I hope at some point you'll be able to have people on that will be able to discuss that whole process of the fact that once your relatives, or God forbid, you end up in prison, you can end up being a medical experiment for any number of different mm -hmm. companies. And then lastly, one of the brothers talked about think tanks, and it made me think of um, the most recent episode of, uh, of Hidden Colors. They, they interviewed uh, Professor Anthony Browder, and he talked about uh, finding out he lives in D.C. about two weeks before they, they filmed him that he found out about a think tank that uh, meets with the State Department every year and they, uh, they plot where white supremacy is supposed to be up to 200 years in advance and the State Department basically enacts laws that facilitate it. They, they predict where the poor people would be. They predict where the rich people would be. Um, when they're gentrifying areas, they predict everything on a nationwide scale. And then basically the State Department goes about facilitating their predictions so that within that 200-year time frame, everything looks like they predicted it. Um, so, yes, there's so much going on. You guys have put out such incredible information. Um, I thank you all for this program. I'm a first-time caller to this show, but I do call in for the cows and candle type uh, quite regularly. And I just like to say, keep doing what you're doing, brothers. And I share as much of this information as possible. I think it's a beautiful thing because I learned about the 13th Amendment probably in my 20s. And you're talking like the, the early 90s. And um, not many people were aware of that. But not many people actually read any of the amendments. So that was not something that was well known in the black community. I'm from Brooklyn. And a lot of folks um, really didn't know about that. So to hear the uh, headway that's being made as far as exposing this information is a beautiful thing. And I thank you all for tonight's show. Indeed, thank you. Brother, thank you for calling in and sharing that information with us. Uh, Q&AQ is clear. Yeah, the bowels of spaceship. That's exactly what it sounds like. They don't have to go overseas to Africa to get us anymore. We'll just go to right. North or Patterson or Chicago. <laughs> and then they transfer you. They ship you out if they don't like you. If they don't like yeah. you in your neighborhood. Like in Vermont, 
Blacks are being arrested at 12 to 1. They only make up 1.2% of the population. And well, guess what they're doing with those people? Sending them to Michigan. Sending them to Kentucky. Yeah, man. Domestic colony problems. These people think they're free. They think they're Americans. What you are is a domestic colony. You're the descendants of colonized people. Your homeland colonized, brought to a colony, put into slave pens, the first penitentiaries being the plantations. And it, I mean, the beat goes on. I, I don't know why people don't wake up and just smell the coffee, as they say. This is the situation. Your job, your neighborhood, your your neighborhood doesn't mean anything. Philando Castile was killed in a, in a wealthy or so-called nice uh, white suburban neighborhood. And as you said, he was stopped and ticketed 30-plus times. This man had uh, somebody posted on one of my comments or something said that he had been fined like a total over $100,000 over his adult life. I mean, I don't know what you think a slave in 1837 would have went through there would have been much different than that man's life same thing happened then happened now we just can't seem to grasp that and we overlook it but we decide not to pay attention to it uh, cognitive play, business plays a large role I'm very sure Dr. Uh, Joyce DeGray and her uh, essay or her uh, I guess her studies on um post-traumatic slave syndrome sheds quite a bit of light on that, but even she doesn't go far enough because it's not really post when it's happening to you today. That's not post. Right. It's present. Right. And, uh, so she doesn't really go as far enough, but it is legitimate that that is in us, that type of suffering, keeping us down when you look around you and you see what's happening to all of your people, 47 million of us, only 5% have $750,000 or more in assets. It's ridiculous, man. Out of all the thousands of billionaires in the world, there's only two black ones here in America. Only two. That's it. You know, and we got like, I think it's 3,000 billionaires here in America. Two of them are black. It's crazy, dude. But we need to move on and do our uh, rider of the 21st century underground railroad and then our abolitionist in profile. Uh, our abolitionist profile, by the way, Johanna, when you start it, is no more than a speech. Which you'll, once you start reading it, you, everybody understand why we're using it. Um, our writer of the 21st Century Underground Railroad is a 14-year-old who was a 14-year-old boy when he was arrested. He just recently got out. And this comes from CNN. It's on our webpage. It says an exonerated Michigan man adjusts to freedom. Devontae Sanford spent more than eight years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. He knew he was innocent, and his lawyers say that we should have, too. I'm still trying to take everything in, Sanford said in an interview with CNN's Legal View with Ashby Banfield the day after he was released. One day, one step at a time. In 2007, four people were killed on Runyon Street in Detroit. Witnesses say that Sanford's voice sounded similar to one of the shooter's voices, according to documents filed by Sanford's lawyers. Police questioned the then 14-year-old. Sanford confessed after several hours of police interrogation over the course of two days. The Innocence Project at the University of Michigan said Sanford said he attempted to recant his confession. He later pleaded guilty in the middle of the trial once he realized his defense attorney was not going to do anything to defend him. Sanford said he was scared, confused, lost during that police interrogation and wasn't able to grasp the whole situation. Everything was just moving so fast. Everything was just so tense. And when everything was said and done, you know, I was sitting in the prison cell with 39 to 90 years, Sanford said Thursday. Two weeks after he was sentenced, a hitman confessed to the murders. According to court documents, the assassin led police to the gun. 
and ballistic tests confirmed it was the weapon used in Runyon Street killings. He said the Sanford had nothing to do with the crime. That was not handed over to the defense team. The defense team heard about it, you know, had to jump through a lot of hoops to get access to that information. Valerie Newman, one of the lawyers who worked with the Free Sanford, worked the Free Sanford to CNN. They say justice moves slowly, right? Newman said. Sanford remained incarcerated until Wednesday afternoon. Video from CNN affiliate WDIV showed Sanford now 23 walking out of the Bellamy Creek Correctional Facility in street clothes, getting into the back seat of a car and riding away. He is looking towards his, to his, forward to his future, telling CNN he has no other choice but to make something of myself. I want you to know that this brother's case wasn't even brought forward uh, to be repealed when the person who actually killed them admitted it showed them the gun and the ballistics matched only a couple weeks after the man was convicted he sat in there all those years until somebody did something about it so God bless the Innocence Project and welcome to Freedom Brother Devante Sample Salute welcome home young brother as always another one though that just you know and it can just bring tears to your eyes man it was just in the news that the cop who testified and lied, testified under oath, lied under oath um, uh, in Devante's case, and it's now known that he's even admitted that he's lied, and the uh, prosecuting attorney, the prosecutor up there, Kim Worthy, it, uh, came out today and said they're not going to charge him. So, again, no accountability whatsoever. Um, just like and I that detective, Scotty, uh, that detective, Scotty, uh, as we talk about all the time here, way too often, that detective is a black man with a black family and black children. Proxy racist, huh? Damn. Wow. That's a damn shame. And the prosecutor is black, too. You go home and see your too. son looking like a boy you just put in prison for murder you know he didn't commit. You go home and go see your son, Mm-mm-mm. and you just put that boy, this child with mental issues. It's, I mean, the boy ain't even all there. It was George Stinney Jr. all over again. 14-year-old black boy being accused of murder of somebody he never touched, never knew, didn't know anything about, forced into a convict, convi- uh, conviction, put before a kangaroo court, probably an all-white jury. I mean, somebody should check. It was probably an all-white jury. They happened so often. And then sent to prison for the rest of his life. In the meantime, the defense didn't give one damn F-U-K. Just didn't care. Just wanted to get it over with and move on with his own life and collect his block pay for the 50 or 60 people that he represented that week. It's a science, people. This is not happenstance. This is a science being carried out against you. So we move on. Are we, do we have a music with the uh, abolitionist profile, Scotty? Or are we just reading Oh, yes, in? sir. Yes, sir. Let me uh, okay. cue, cue that. We're running up. short on time. I know. I don't want to be the one holding this up. All right, this week's abolitionist in profile is the anonymous speaker at the Female Minervian Association on the moral and social improvement of freed slaves, encouraging them to assist those who are still enslaved. This is from March 1, 1834. It says, Dear friends, these monthly assemblies, I believe, are not confined to any particular class or sex. They are to improve the mental condition of all who feel disposed to participate in the knowledge of piety truth and justice and it is my sincere wish that through the many exertions which have been made for our moral improvement pride and prejudice may ere long cease but it is with feelings of sorrow that i say things of this character too strongly exist among ourselves 
With all the persecutions and difficulties which we have had to encounter, we are estranged one from another. Tell me, my friends, are these things to last much longer? Must I reluctantly say that persecutions of a deeper dive will be the only means of blotting them from the page of memory? Heaven forbid. What heart has not already keenly felt the stings of our persecutors? Let me earnestly entreat of you all, when kneeling beside your couch at evening, invoking blessings from our supreme benefactor not to forget the slaves. The cruel manner in which they are chained, driven, and sold like beasts of the field should ever excite in us feelings of sympathy. Yes, my friends, what tongue can express, what heart conceive their unceasing suffering? Often has my blood changed to icy chilliness. My heart throbbed with sorrow and compassion when reading or hearing of their extreme wretchedness, and I would exclaim within myself, what can be done to relieve them? I fear nothing, nothing too close this scene of misery. Yet I will not despair. God is all sufficient. His hand is ever ready to succor the weak and needy. And may the prayers of our zealous and ever dear advocates ascend like sweet incense to the throne of grace and their labors diffuse light and knowledge throughout the world. It's our abolitionist in profile speech from the anonymous abolitionist. Salute. Salute. Urging people to give a damn. It never gets old, does it? Nope. Did we lose um I think we lost um Max. Let me Max, um your line is unmuted, but we can't oh, hear I'm you. I'm sorry, I, I was on mute on purpose while I was listening. Uh oh. to the system. <laughs> I have I have hundreds of those uh listed from a website that collects them. Um the website is the Black Abolitionist Archives. So many who spoke up and were never recorded. Nobody knows who they were. They, the only thing left of them was the words that they uttered in opposition to slavery. And there are so many today as well. And this was an example of one of them speaking as if she could be speaking today about our woes here now. Right, a right. colored female from 1834. Right on. Well, well, another one of those. Another one of those weeks, fellas. Bombs drop, truth told, you know, it's right in our face again. It is indeed. I guess this is time for our closing statement. So, uh, any volunteers? Um, yes. Let let me go ahead and uh, close out with how I started. I just saw um, a post from a brother by the name of Mark Gomey. Um, he also has a YouTube channel. Um, I think it's called Halipson, something like that. Um, but anyway, the brother just made a post. He said that, you know, y'all, I, I came on talking about what I feel like is unfair, undue criticism of the young people uh, who are all being labeled under Black Lives Matter, whether they have a car carrying, uh, you know, membership or not, you know. But this brother just said, he said that there is a Black Lives Matter protest going on outside of my building right now, my apartment building right now. He said, with all the youth that live in a vacuum um, that does not even acknowledge, you know, socioeconomic conditions or politics, I, for one, am not going to beat up on these youth for giving a damn about something. And I'll leave you with that. Indeed. 
That's uh, that's wise words. I mean, we can't. We're not here to uh, to tear down anybody that's working. Um, kind of tied to that, you don't see anybody being labeled as abolitionist haphazardly. You don't see anybody uh, getting a news headline or, or as the news is about to go to commercial or coming back in calling somebody an abolitionist. But you've seen effectively over the last years since Michael Brown died, you've seen all black activism on any front is now Black Lives Matter. So we told you when this started that there's more to the story. There's somebody else funding. There's somebody else pushing and trying to control and direct the, the narrative. And as you see, the narrative is still not ended after all these years. It still ain't ended up at the point of being abolitionism. I think uh, we've been proven right. Peace to the abolitionists and death to these oppressors. Let me share something with you that should make loud clicks that it falls into place of understanding. These are no thoughts and feelings. They're facts. A single mom with two kids in New York State barely holding on will get denied food assistance if she earns a single dollar over the limit allowed. But if one of her teenage kids gets arrested, they'll put him or her into a private corporation detention facility that gets paid $350,000 per year per child incarcerated. The same woman earning 15000 a year, $1 too much to qualify for food assistance, does qualify for $706,000 a year worth of incarceration if her children are arrested for any reason. And as you know, for the black community nowadays, that's one out of three. Here in South Carolina, it's 160000 a year. Think about that. And think about this. Abolition is the reason for a revolution so we can finally know some peace. Peace. Just lift your eyes up, let your wise rise up, see the signs of the times if it's time. Rise up, rise up, when death and hell dwell among all God's people, when those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil, when the feast that feeds you starves our father's children, when snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing. Rise up, when famine claims millions, when justice gives blind eyes to billions, when the Lord anger is no longer feared if his protection is gone and your enemies are near if you've seen the seas spill over and the mountains shake break and fall if the moon ever turns blood red and you can't see the sun at all rise up no matter if the prize is high in the sky